Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to our live sermon Q&A right here from the studio. We got Bob here in the house. Uh, I'm Christian, many of y'all know us. Uh, and this is our first episode of our live sermon Q&A, which is exactly what it is. Uh, we're going to be answering any questions that you guys submit while we kind of talk over last Sunday's sermon. If you haven't seen it, go ahead, visit media to check that out. Now, um, I'm going to kind of let you know what our format is here. Awesome. It's different. It's new. We're kind of jazzed about it. Uh, and we're trying it out, so we might modify it here and there. But this is the plan. Um, we're right here in the studio which looks a little different. We got this really cool green screen behind us, really fancy, um, but it's a different format as well. And so what we're going to be doing is Bob's going to spend about two minutes recapping the sermon. After that, we're going to spend about seven minutes kind of in discussion about some of the, the key parts of the sermon that maybe need a bit more uh, detail or attention, right? And then after that, for eight minutes, we are going to talk about the questions that you have submitted, which as of lately, you can email them to Bob, but we're actually going to come out with a form this week that you can submit to answer your questions as well. And so um, that's the layout. You're probably thinking, ha, yeah, right. I'd love to see you finish your podcast that quickly. We actually have this really cool kitchen timer that I got (laughs) off Amazon. And so we're going to use this to kind of keep us on track to make sure this is as accessible as possible to you guys. Last thing I'll mention is if you have any questions, um, we can see y'all right here on the side. If you have questions, you can throw any additional questions in the comments. Of course, if we don't get to it in that eight-minute window, we're always open to conversation as well. Um, You can shoot us an email. We'd be glad to work through that stuff. Um, Am I missing anything? Does that sound okay? sounds great. Okay, you ready for a two-minute sermon recap? Uh, I hope so. We'll give it a try. You put that timer on. Keep me honest. Yeah, here's two minutes starting now. All right. Well, we're talking about the new you and the new year and the new you, Christian, is yeah. the theme, starting with verse 17 of chapter 4. And he's he says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of the God who created us. We're being renewed in the image of Jesus. And his key thing is stop lying to each other. And we got to realize the biggest lies we tell are lies we tell to ourselves. And the next section picks up, I think, the lies that we often tell to ourselves about our own emotions, especially the <clears throat> negative emotions, like anger We saw his command is to be angry, but don't sin. So it's possible to contain anger and not have it come out in a sinful way. Uh, And uh, Jesus was angry without sin, but it was perfect for him. It's less common in us. And then he comes to bitterness, which is where anger has gone toxic. Mm -hmm. And that was the focus of this last week's sermon, uh, is that we've got to get rid of the kind of anger that, you know, becomes toxic underground this kind of bitterness that settles into a malice toward others, a fantasizing maybe about them getting their comeuppance uh, or somebody delivering revenge, even if we know we're not going to. Um, And it moves into what we do with that bitterness. We have got to get rid of it to the place where we come to um, cleanse ourselves of ill will and come to a place of forgiveness. And the sermon sought to make the distinction between forgiveness Uh, that we no longer hold the sin or the wrong that others have committed against us, against them. Uh, But it does not mean that that relationship is right back to where it was. Mm. And uh, I'll elaborate a little bit on that in elaboration. But but mainly about bitterness being a settled ill will toward others and the toxic side of anger uh, and something that we really are threatened. And bitterness is when um, we see others as the impediment to the future that God has for us. Uh, and it's a very dangerous place. Um, I was somewhat joking about Taylor Swift, but as long as she's singing about her old boyfriends, ooh, 
There we go. That scared me. Uh, yeah, as long as she's thinking about an old boyfriend and bitterness, she's not ready for a new one. And that's true of us, too. So, there it is. Pretty much in <laughs> two was, minutes. That was pretty good. That scared me. I jumped a little <laughs> yeah. bit. You might have seen it. Um, sweet. Two-minute sermon recap. So, there's a lot you're covering there. Um, obviously, bitterness isn't the easiest topic, especially if any of us, um, most of us have probably experienced it to a degree. Some of us, even now, are kind of wrestling with um wrestling with that. And so um, let's talk a bit more about it. We'll enter the discussion phase, which is about seven minutes. I'll put the timer on and we'll jump into it. Yeah. So discussing this, I think one of the things uh, that, and then actually had some questions about elaborating on this a bit more uh, is the distinction between forgiveness and complete reconciliation. And I, I use the example of uh, a marriage that has been betrayed. And actually, biblically, when a marriage experiences that the tragedy of infidelity by one partner to the other that actually is a form of breaking that covenant it is breaking that contract of living in that marriage and so uh, sometimes that is revealed because one partner discovers a text or you know the proverbial lipstick on the collar or whatever uh, and then it leads to that person desperately the person who's been betraying that relationship for months or maybe years desperately wanting an instant reconciliation to remove all the pressure. And I just shared that sometimes churches have un, uh, unfortunately fallen into the uh, sense of using the command to forgive uh, as a club mm -hmm. over the head of the person who has been victimized, who has mm -hmm. lost so much in all of this and really has been, they're not sinless, but they didn't do anything to deserve the breaking of that covenant. And I've seen that in churches. Uh, and because we do champion forgiveness and we love to see uh, and communicate the fact that there is no one beyond the reach of God's forgiveness, which, praise God, is true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that the trust, and I've heard it described as like when it, when it happens in a marriage like that, it's like trust is like this forest that has been built, burnt to the ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the offending party, in some ways, will show their degree of real repentance and realizing what they've done by their patience and by their realization they've got to restore and rebuild that yeah. over time. And I, I think of sin like sometimes it's like, you know, an ocean liner does not get way out into the ocean and far away and then is able to correct course like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's true of me and my sin. Yeah. Um, sin can carry me to a point where I don't even realize what's happened mm. and I'm going to need some love, but also some real firmness to kind of say, Hey Bob, how did you get to this point? Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and mm. that's part of restoration. So, so at any rate, I, I do want the church to be a safe place for people who have been victims um, as well as the victimizer to realize like, yes, the repentance that God gives is free and full and restorative, mm. but the impact of what you've done toward others um, that's going to be part of God's workshop for you to come to deal with as you, you grapple with that and yeah. grow on this horizontal level. And it's not a quick process. Like, I appreciate the idea of, like, a forest that doesn't grow back so quickly. Like, obviously, we'd love for things to be restored quickly. But sometimes we have an expectation that it, this has to happen quickly. But sometimes that expectation kind of mars um, the ability to fully heal, to fully find restoration stuff. So, um, 
really good image and kind of metaphor there. Um, yeah, do you want to jump into, uh, I know you talked a bit about, and I know we'll get to some of this with the questions too, but I didn't know if you could add any color or uh, comments on this, uh, the dichotomy of um, uh, forgiveness and bitterness and anger and kind of like if someone is watching this and they're kind of wrapped up in those things, like what does it look like to kind of proceed through that um, tenderly but with, uh, with restoration in mind? A great question. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think um, it's it is in our humanity, but also in in the fact that like when someone has has truly taken something from us or offended us or stepped mm-hmm. into space, like um, like I think we can get rid of the idea like you should never be angry, um, even even as a parent. I used to hear, and I'm sure your twins are not at the point where they can anger you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they keep us up. <laughs> not legitimately, they can yeah, keep you up, but yeah, they're not, yeah. you know. Um, but as your, as your children get older, there is a point where, like, if you said to a parent, like never, ever discipline when you're angry, it's like, well, you know, anger can go toxic. Anger can lead the discipline, which is totally inappropriate. Yeah. But if you really saw a child, let's say an older child, like lie Mm -hmm. about taking the car out or whatever, Mm -hmm. you as a parent know that if they become a liar, it's going to destroy their life. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is an appropriate, like, I'm not angry at the person of my child. It's, in a sense, the ability to separate that behavior and say, but I have some urgency. Yeah. And if you can't have any anger as a parent, you probably won't even address it. You'll just yeah. like, so what? Yeah. Um, so there, so anger can be this appropriate passion yeah. to move through to a really meaningful forgiveness. Yeah. Or anger is what might cause me or Liz to say, we got to talk about Yeah. Um, you're not putting me, not putting glasses in the dishwasher yeah. or, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, taking us up yeah. and say, oh, I thought rinsing the glasses off yeah. deserved a medal. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's put them in the dishwasher. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and so finally she says, you know, this is going to become an irritant. And, yeah. um, you know, so, so sometimes that anger allows us to communicate honestly. Yeah. It's kind of like a healthy catalyst. It can be. If we wield it as such, but sometimes it's not wielded as such, which is where the bitterness and the problems come in play. So much so. Okay, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And when when our anger is about the injustices of other people are mm-hmm. suffering, we're on better ground than we are when our anger is about me experiencing a slight. Yeah, yeah. I'm hair trigger ready to go off in that category probably. Yeah. And I can be very blind to other people's sure. injustice and suffering. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good distinction to make. Um, is there anything that you wish you said in the sermon this Sunday that you're like, oh, I need to get to this? Or did you kind of cover everything? Oh, oh I'm going to watch this too. Goodness. Just to, we got like about a minute and a half here. Yeah, you know what? Always, always <laughs> there's the, yeah. And then there's the sermon you think you preached and the one you actually preached. Sure. And then the one everybody heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and asking God to bring all that together. Yeah. Um, I do know when you preach on forgiveness, it is a triggering thing because I think for for people who have truly are sitting there and they they have suffered a traumatic loss Mm -hmm. because of someone else and and that's when forgiveness is really costly yeah I have to say like right now in the moment it's not true of me Mm -hmm. I am not right now suffering because someone has done something that's caused me to really suffer but I'm aware like when I'm preaching to a congregation there are people who just that week are you know dealing with that and um forgiveness is that process and i think if anything of the 70 times seven or probably i think the right translation is 77 times yeah um and that actually is picking up from genesis 4 24 where this guy lamech says uh i'm i'm gonna avenge yeah 
77 times. So he says, I'm going to be, it's kind of gangster rap in yeah. uh, Genesis where he's <laughs> yeah. like, he writes this poem about how if you sin against me, I, if you, you know, kill someone with my family, I'm going to come against you and take 77 lives. Yeah. And so Jesus is picking up on that and saying, the kingdom of God is hmm. so different than the way vigilante justice handles it out in the yeah. world. Yeah. We have almost vigilante, promiscuous forgiveness yeah. that Jesus is saying, this is the mark of the kingdom. So. Yeah, which some people might find that forgiveness so offensive that it's so all-encompassing and accessible to everybody, too. But it's that's what makes Jesus so distinct and, and God so distinct. So, yeah. It but, uh, honestly kind of offends me when I think about it. Yeah, it's right, like, right. Like, like, they could be forgiven? Like, with that? Yeah, whoa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? Yeah. That's a whole um, other sermon, probably. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Y'all heard the timer, so we're going to move on to the final segment, which is eight minutes of just kind of um, jumping through some questions here. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out how to use this thing. But I'm going to go ahead and turn to my email here because we have a question. Um, what I'll do is I'll read the email, then I'll start it, and that'll be kind of kick off. Okay. So, um, this email has a couple of different questions, and so we'll um, we'll work through them. And again, if you have questions right now, submit them in the comments if you'd like, or um, you can email them to us for future use. Um, so the first one is, you mentioned how shedding crocodile tears is not a step to forgiveness. What are the proper steps to take? We'll start that with that one. So, yeah, so that was kind of, again, talking about the person who is uh, in the very beginning stage of dealing with maybe their offense before God and, and others, and it shows up in tears. And um, probably more properly, what I would wish I'd said or made clear is like, that is not mean that the path to reconciliation and the burden of reconciliation now moves to the person hmm. against whom they wronged. Um, but it, yeah, crocodile tears, if they're truly genuine and not just manipulative, that's a good beginning. I'm not going to despise that at all. Um, but it's, we have to be careful in the church that we, and, and in relationships where we are stewarding them and even people coming to us to not, to know we can't read hearts. Um, and we want to be gracious hmm. and positive. Um, but it's not loving that person well who maybe over a long season has wronged someone yeah. or been in a pattern to say, oh, well, let's have instant um, immediate reconciliation, sure. which does happen on the spiritual plane. Yeah. You know, the moment they turn to God, I can say like, hey, God no longer harbors that against you, yeah. you know. But now we need to walk through a process where you realize, how did you get there? Yeah. And can we help you um, and serve you as a community to come back sure. to that spot? Yeah, that's so. good. Um, he kind of adds a secondary question in reflection of that one. So the first one being, you mentioned how shedding crocodile tears is not a step to forgiveness. What are the proper steps to take? And then they say, are they wrapped up in your conclusion about how my forgiven sins against God shine so much greater than another's against me, and perhaps he's referencing a point in the sermon. Great. Um, yeah, and I, I just would anchor that our sins against God are more serious than the wrongs committed to us. And one place you see that is in Matthew 6. If you if you turn to Matthew 6 and that rendition of the Lord's Prayer, that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying, forgive us our, um, and, and let's say, he uses a word for sin there that mm. I think is more literally this, the word for debts. Yeah. For, um, and so our sin against God is like a, a debt and an obligation of what we owe God. Um, and then there's commentary on the Lord's Prayer mm. that happens later in the verses. And, and I have it up here in uh, verse 14. He says, for if you forgive others their offenses. He uses actually a different word 
in the Greek. I got I got the original Greek here, and we can because Christian's Greek, okay. he can read the original I Greek. Can read for the whole us. thing. Um, <laughs> but um, he uses Jesus uses a different word <clears throat> for when I am wronged than he uses for when I wrong God, and it's <clears throat> right there in that text. Um, actually, the usually the translation of chapter six fourteen is the word trespass. Mm. Um, and so technically when we, a, a better word for when someone wrongs me is it is a lighter offense, a trespass. Yeah. Um, you know, if I walk across someone's yard and it's not my property. Yeah. I mean, depending on the situation, not a huge deal, sure. but if I refuse to pay back a debt that was loaned to me in good faith, that's a, that's a bigger deal. So, yeah. um, so what's interesting is that's the only time there seems to be commentary on the Lord's Prayer on this idea of forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us or yeah. those who wrong us. Um, and that is pretty remarkable that that's the one thing in the Lord's Prayer that is picked up, this idea of invoking that God has forgiven me. And then he says, yeah, but um, how are you doing at living that out? Yeah. And it's the one ethic of the Christian faith that I'd say after – Personal faith and repentance, and I, I don't think this came for me. I think I read something in uh, 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 Martin Luther's sermon, of all things, where he said, like, after your first-hand faith and repentance before God hmm. on this um, vertical level, the next question is, how are you delivering forgiveness horizontally? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because he's saying, if you, if, if you or I have unforgiveness on this horizontal level, it's very possible that's an indication that we are not really receiving forgiveness on this vertical level. Yeah. Uh, we may think we've earned it. Uh, we may think we're entitled to it functionally. Sure. We sure. wouldn't say it maybe because yeah. we know that would be a bad thing to say. Yeah, but we act. Like but we act. It. It's yeah. like my yeah. sins are not that big a deal, mm -hmm. but yours against me, yeah. big deal. Huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think um, – it's easy to kind of resonate and think about those things in such a way. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's good accountability. And the way you distinguish between the words there is helpful, too. Um, awesome. We have uh, one more question in this email. Um, uh, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, sometimes getting clarity in a dream. And so this uh, individual mentioned, how do you know when God speaks in a dream? Because last night I was telling my wife, I had a dream that all my siblings were babies, including myself, and I was getting, <laughs> I was getting their pizza orders, which I think that was maybe sleep deprivation and taking care of my own babies and feeding them. Um, uh, you know, so all that to say, sometimes dreams can be a lot, but we see it in scripture. And, and, and I know you even kind of talked briefly about it uh, in a comment on Sunday. And so if you wouldn't mind uh, providing clarity, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I would say we have to be really careful with things that are not rooted in scripture. So everything should, you know, be able to be brought back and evaluated and uh, in that way. And really what I, what I want to emphasize is this whole issue of whether I have bitterness in my heart towards someone else mm -hmm. is, is tricky. Yeah. Um, and in preaching on it, I wanted to ask God, I felt compelled to ask God, like, hey, are there places where I'm you know, not fulfilling my my social duty toward other people hmm. of ministering forgiveness to them and and even saying, like, God, you may have to sneak up on me in a dream uh, to reveal that. So uh, so that's what I was saying. But, uh, but, but the broader question is, how do you know hmm. with a dream? So first of all, I'd say it, it obviously can't contradict something that is in Scripture. Yeah. Um, and secondly, maybe it's an elaboration 
uh, you know, on some area. And yeah. I find, like, it, you could broaden the question to the voice of God. How yeah. do I know the voice of God is speaking to me? And usually I know it because he's nudging me about something I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. Like forgive someone. Yeah, and we all know when God's nudging us to something we don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it didn't, so it, and that's, but I'll just tell you like one dream that occurred to me when, when just you mentioned that question. Um, I was preparing a Christmas Eve sermon um, and Christmas, it was several years ago. And it's always that season where I think as communicators, we feel that mm-hmm. special burden. There's people who aren't usually there, right? And I was really praying about what to preach. And I dreamed uh, about a one of my favorite things that happened in my childhood. I took my grandparents to see uh, a performer at a television, popular television show that they loved. My grandfather was was in his late 70s. And this performer came off the stage and sang her song to my grandfather, who was mm-hmm. just recovering from this accident he'd had. And okay. really powerful. And I just got a picture of that in a dream mm-hmm. uh, as a picture of what Jesus did coming off his throne and like basically living his life, dying his death, and then delivering it to us yeah. very personally. Right? Yeah. So um, I just felt like, wow, Lord, I'm going to use that in the sermon. And, I, and it was one of those times, sometimes you wake up, I don't know whether you do this, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and think, this is going to really teach well yeah. to you or whatever. Yeah, I have like a notepad, and I type it on my phone all the time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and then you wake up, have breakfast and coffee, and you're like, eh, that wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, one. I don't know if this will land. <laughs> anyway, here's, here's the punchline. Yes, I went ahead and did it that Christmas Eve, and unbeknownst to me, this woman, this this star TV show uh, woman, this agent, was in the audience. Oh, wow. <laughs> she was the grandmother uh, of one of the youth who attended the church. Oh, wow. And she was dumbstruck. Wow. <laughs> and we were unable to have this dialogue. And I wish I could tell you that she came to Saving Faith in Christ and we baptized her into membership of the church and all yeah, that. that yeah. I, I can't tell you that that happened, but mm. it was spiritually significant. So spiritually significant. This woman sent me a letter and she sent me uh, uh, tapes, videotapes mm. of this uh, person who she served for many years, whatever. So that was a dream that kind yeah. of got verified later. Yeah. yeah. That it was like, hey, God, I wouldn't have even thought of this story. And then you knew that this person was coming. Yeah. And it also worked well for the congregation, I think. And um, so sometimes we learn later, way later down the road that a dream is validated, yeah. you know, and, yeah. um, you know, we, and I would say we should live, you know, every day looking for waiting, <laughs> waiting, you know, but, but we should be open that God has a lot of different ways that he sometimes can nudge us. Sure. Yeah. And if it's love someone, encourage someone, yeah. pick up the phone and call someone you've not, and you've, that's delivered to you, I'd yeah. say. What loss is there to obey those positive commands? Sure. Those are there. Yeah. Then, so. Especially in the realm of bitterness, anger, and forgiveness. Like, you know, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really good questions. Um, you guys heard our timer go off, so that, I guess that concludes our time. Did you have any final thought or anything to add, or are we feeling okay? Um, yeah, you can communicate with us uh, online and uh, get questions to us in the future. It's, yeah. it's fun to have a time to kind of revisit um what's happening in a text of scripture. Um, maybe I just say this coming week, I'm actually uh, realizing that one of the sections of this particular passage is about the words we say hmm. and about don't let even any unwholesome, I think he uses the word rotten word, hmm. proceed out of your mouth, but only that which builds others up. So hmm. just a heads up, uh, we're going to deal with our speech this week and uh, with the fact that the people who 
hear us talk are the ones who have the right to tell us hmm. whether we are building them up or draining them of life. So that's kind of the heads up on what's ahead. Sweet. And yeah, y'all won't want to miss a uh, really exciting series. I guess we're, this will be our fourth week this Sunday. So um, join us at nine o'clock right here in the sanctuary or online. And again, we'll have a new form that we'll send out um, for submitting any questions in the future. Um, but hey, uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you this Sunday. Yeah, thanks for setting all this up, Christian. Yeah, glad to. See y'all.